With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast, Wednesday, December 8th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network, which allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com, the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And use the code EPL599 to get $5.99 off your first month. That's EPL599 to get $5.99 off your first month. So your first month will be one quid. There's no contract. You get instant download onto your devices from the Liberty Shield website. And away you go. Get watching what you want to watch and keep your data safe. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. For the Anfield Index shop, use the code RED10. For the EPL Index shop, it's EPL10. Get your 10% off at checkout. And the EPL Index shop has a whole new line of mugs available straight away to you. Great Christmas present. There's a Stephen Gerrard Aston Villa one, Rafinha, Youngmin Son. Bakayo Saka, Ruben Diaz, Wilf Zaha, Marcus Rashford, Emil Smith-Rowe, Paul Pogba, N'Golo Kante, Antonio Conte, Richarlison, Romelu Lukaku, Jamie Vardy, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Erling Haaland, Mason Mount, James Madison, Mikel Antonio, Mason Greenwood, Harry Kane, Phil Foden, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne, all there available on the EPL Index uh, site or DPL Index shop, rather, on Etsy. Use the code EPL10, 10% off at checkout. If you can't find one that suits somebody in your life or yourself, get new people in your life. Right, folks. Champions League last night and tonight. In last night's games, Manchester City defeated by Orby Leipzig, 2-1 in Leipzig. Dominic Sabalaya made it 1-0 on 24. Andre Silva made it 2 on 71. Riyad Mahrez pulled one back for City on 76. And it looked like they might fight back for the draw. And then Kyle Walker did a Kyle Walker thing and got himself sent off on 82 minutes. City played a very strong 11. Uh, Zach Steffen in goal. Kyle Walker, John Stones, Nathan Aki, 
and Zinchenko in defence. Aki withdrawn for Diaz during the game, so close to full strength back line, um, or last season's full strength back line, I should say. Ilke Gundogan, Fernandinho and Kevin De Bruyne in midfield. Cole Palmer coming on for KDB. And then you had Mares, Grealish and Foden up front. Raheem Sterling introduced for Foden. Um, not to hammer the point, but by God, Jack Grealish just can't play as a false nine. Another poor performance. City looked just very, very average with him clogging up the space, not being able to rotate through positions the way the others can. Doesn't have the fluid, fluidity, doesn't have the quickness of thought. Just another empty performance by Mr. Grealish. Uh, but Leipzig did look good in the game. Thought Gvardiol looked really good. The young left side centre back that they brought in to replace Upa Meccano. Really talented player. Uh, Conrad Lamer, good to see him have a decent outing in midfield. But you have to really like uh, their attacking options in Kunku, Silva, Sabalaya. Forsberg's been there a long time. They bring on Brian Broby. They bring on Iliax Moreba. There's a lot of talent there at Leipzig. And, uh, and it shone through in this game. It really did. So congrats to them on a big win. They find themselves now third in the group and they will go into Europa League football. City topped the group. 12 points from their six games, four wins, two defeats. PSG defeated Club Bruges last night by four goals to one. Two from Mbappe, two from Messi. Mats Ritz with a consolation for Bruges. PSG second in the group on 11 points. They will go through. And Club Bruges, your European adventure is over. Thanks for taking part. In Group B, Liverpool marched into San Siro with a heavily rotated team and still came away with a 2-1 win. The Reds lined up with Alisson in goal, Nico Williams, Nat Phillips, Ibrahima Kanata and Costa Simicas in defence, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Tyler Morton and Taki Minamino in midfield, Mo Salah, Divock Origi and Sadio Mane in attack. Fabinho came off the bench. Naby Keita and Joe Gomez made returns from injury. Max Waltman and Connor Bradley, two young players, got themselves a run out at the San Siro. You'll never take that away from them. That is something they can always remember. Um, Salah and Origi with the goals after Fakayo Tomore had put Milan 1-0 up. Liverpool topped the group 18 points from a possible 18. Six games, six wins, 17 scored. Six conceded. Very, very impressive. As pointed out by Duncan Alexander last night on social media, Liverpool have as many points in the Champions League as Everton have in the Premier League. Merry Christmas to Everton. Milan, bottom of the group. They are out. No more European football for them this season. Uh, in the other game, uh, well, I don't even know how to describe what took place between Porto and Atletico Madrid. I really don't know what how to describe this. Manic is the only way I can think. A two a three one win for um, for Atleti. Antoine Griezmann put them one up. Then Yannick Carrasco got sent off. Then Wendell got sent off for Porto. Then Marchison got sent off for Porto. Then Angel Correa made it two nil. Rodrigo de Paul made it three nil. And Sergio Oliveira pulled back a late consolation penalty to make it 3-1. But through to the next round, go Atleti. Into the Europa League, go Porto, where they will be 
one of the stronger teams in the competition. Uh, in Group C, then, Ajax through top of the group, 18 points from a potential 18, just like Liverpool. Very, very impressive. They beat Sporting 4-2 last night. Sebastian Haller, Anthony, David Neres and Steven Berghaus with the goals. Nuno Santos and Brian Tabata with, uh, sorry, Bruno Tabata with the goals for Sporting. Sporting finished second in the group, so they do go through. They were true anyway, so they'll be thrilled. In the other game, Dortmund, well, they took care of business. Uh, Besiktas gave them no real worries. Daniel Malin put Dortmund one up. Then Wellington was sent off on 43. Marco Royce made a two on 47 just before the break. Two minutes into added time. And in the second half, then, it was Royce again. And then two from Erling Haaland off the bench. A very comprehensive 5-0 win for Dortmund. And you'd imagine that they will drop into the Europa League now as one of the favourites to win the whole thing. That's a very, very good Dortmund team. Lots of talent. And I think they will be one of the favourites to, to win the whole thing. I really do. They've got a couple of issues defensively, but they'll... Marco Rose will, will, will iron those out. I'm confident he'll iron those out. In Group D, uh, Real Madrid beat Inter Milan 2-0. Tony Cruz and Marco Asensio with the goals for Real. Nicola Barella sent off for Inter. Apparently that's his sixth red card already, which is a bit of a concern considering he's only 23 or 24. He might want to rein in some of some of the disciplinary issues that he is experiencing. Real topped the group, 15 points. Inter second through to the next round. In the other game in the group, Sheriff Tiraspol went to Ukraine and got themselves a tidy draw. Fernando put Shakhtar one up on 42 minutes. It looked like Shakhtar might finally, they might finally sneak a win in this horrid Champions League campaign that they've had. But Boban Nikolov had different ideas. And on 93 minutes, he made it 1-1. Sheriff through to the Europa League. This is the great, the best story in European football this year. This tiny team from a very strange part of Moldova. They are through. And uh, Shakhtar, you're out. Thanks for playing. Um, so that's how what we have so far. City, Liverpool, Ajax and Real Madrid in the group winners pot. PSG, Atletico Madrid, Sporting and Inter in the runners-up pot. Of course, teams from the same country can't play each other. That's not relevant for this group yet, but it will be when tonight's games shake out. And Porto, Dortmund, Sheriff and Leipzig all into the Europa League. All good, all exciting. There was some good football played last night at the San Siro, I thought. I did think Liverpool played well. City were quite flat. You can't be too critical. They were through anyway. But Pep played a really strong team. I think Pep set out to win that game. And uh, unfortunately, it went against them. And uh, Leipzig will be thrilled. Leipzig, who, of course, parted company with Jesse Marsh just days ago, uh, advancing through the Europa League. Where again, like Dortmund, they will be one of the the stronger teams. And I do think this season we're shaping up to have quite a good Europa League. 
with the changes they've made to the competition, especially in the knockout phases, I do think it's going to be very interesting. If you're not aware, the group winners in the Europa League, they go through to the quarterfinals. No, the yeah, the quarterfinals are round of 16. Round of 16, maybe. And then the runners-up will play these teams that catapult in out of the Champions League. So this should be fun. Um, tonight, we do have more games on the slate. Eight more. In Group E, Bayern Munich are top 15 points already through guaranteed top spot. They play host to Barcelona. Now, Barca likely need to win because Benfica play Dinamo Kiev. Kiev are already eliminated. They've been very poor in the competition. If Benfica win at home, Barca have to win away to Bayern because Benfica hold the head-to-head against Barca. So we may well see Barcelona dropping in to the Europa League, which would be equal parts embarrassing for them and amusing for everybody else. In Group F, Manchester United are through. They are guaranteed a spot in the next round. They will play Young Boys at home. Uh, Young Boys obviously defeated them in the first game of the group after Aaron Wan-Bissaka got red card, got red, got the red card, and then Jesse Lingard did a very very foolish thing. Um, also in that group, Atalanta play host to Villarreal. A draw will send Villarreal through. Atalanta need the win. Atalanta have been very disappointing in this Champions League campaign thus far. And um, they'll be hoping they can kind of snap out of that poor form with a win tonight at home to the Spaniards. In Group G, it's all to play for. Any of the four teams could still qualify, depending on how results go. Uh, it would be Maybe Wolfsburg can't. I'm not 100% certain, but Lille are currently top, Salzburg are second, one point behind, Sevilla are second, one point behind Salzburg, and Wolfsburg are fourth, one point behind Sevilla. In tonight's games, Wolfsburg play host to Lille, and Salzburg play host to Sevilla. Should be two good games, should be very exciting football played in that Salzburg-Sevilla game. If you remember the first game between the two, it was madness. There was penalties everywhere. Uh, Lille-Wolfsburg will be a decent enough game as well. In Group H then, Chelsea and Juventus are through. It's just a matter of who tops the group. Right now, Chelsea top the group. Juve are second. Zenith third. And Malmo bottom. Zenith will be going into the Europa League. Malmo will be going home. Malmo play Juventus in Turin, whereas Chelsea travel to St. Petersburg to play Zenith. And the temperature for that game is expected to be somewhere around minus 15. Yeah. So when I look out my window and I see Storm Barra barreling around, sending my bins flying, terrifying the dogs... I can at least take some solace in the fact that it's only about four degrees here. It's going to be minus 15 in St. Petersburg, which it just does not. That's not conditions to play football in. 
That really is not going to... So if you see any Chelsea player get a report of a tight back, you know, a little bit of lower back stiffness or a tight hamstring or something, it's not that they're injured. They've just decided that cold is, is not for me. That, that That's just not for me. Um, yeah, so those are the games to look forward to tonight. Eight of them. Zenith, Chelsea and Juve Malmo are the early kickoff. Quarter to six. Uh, Zenith Chelsea is probably the better of the two games and then after that you've your choice of Benfica Kiev Atalanta Villarreal Wolfsburg Lille Salzburg Sevilla Bayern Barca United Young Boys can't imagine many non-United fans will want to watch that game if they have the choice of others unless they're just fascinated by Ralph Ranić. Um Bayern Barca will be funny if Bayern walloped them and send them scuttling into the Europa League. Benfica should take care of Dinamo Kiev fairly handily. Wolfsburg-Lille will be a decent game, but they are two teams that struggle a little bit for goals. I think Atalanta-Villarreal and Salzburg-Sevilla are the two games of the night. They're the ones I would recommend keeping an eye on if you're going to skip between games. I would say those are the two to to mostly focus in on. Uh, I'll take my break at that. And when we come back, we've just got some news. We've got the gossip. And that's about it. It's a very quiet day, folks. So I'll see you after this. Right, welcome back. So, like I say, it is a very quiet day. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, there's not really a whole bunch to get into on the Premier League at the moment. I would say, do keep an eye on Crystal Palace at the minute. Three defeats in a row, no wins in four. This is their first serious dip under Vieira, obviously. They lost at home to an out-of-sorts Villa. Gerrard had taken over, but still, it's not a, a game that they should be losing. They drew 3-3 at Burnley, which, aside from Burnley scoring three goals, isn't a bad result because Burnley's always a tough place to go. But losing at home to Villa and the manner in which they lost at home is a little bit concerning. The performance was very, very poor. They haven't played well in subsequent games. They lost, obviously, to, to Leeds. It was a Leeds without Bamford. Rafinha with the late goal. And then they lost to United as well. Again, just a bit of a, a flat performance. The concern in that game for me was how, how poor their press resistance was. They just coughed the ball up time and time again. And this wasn't a particularly pointed pressing team that they played in Manchester United. There was certainly more effort. And they were certainly attempting to close space a lot better. But a good team would have played through them. And I just have concerns, especially Conor Gallagher. He's looked very leggy in the last few games, having had that explosive start to the season where he earned an England call-up, and rightly so. And there was a lot of talk of, will he go back to Chelsea next year and be a starter there? What kind of fee could Chelsea get? Could they get £40 million for him? Will he be priced out of a move to Palace? But he has dipped off a little bit in the last three games, as the whole team have, admittedly. So it's just one to keep an eye on because they've got Everton at home next and then Southampton at home and Watford away. 
those are three games they really should take at least five points from, I would say. At least five points from those games. And I don't think they should really be losing any of them. Like, they shouldn't lose at home to Everton, who've been dreadful for quite a while now and still won't have Calvert-Lewin. They shouldn't lose at home to Southampton because they're a slightly better team than the Saints. And they definitely shouldn't lose at Watford, who are just well, largely terrible. But five points for me would be the minimum from those games. If they don't take it, I think that will be a little bit of a sign for concern. They can't really afford to start just dropping off. They had a very good start, obviously. But they're now in 14th. You start to look down the table. They're only goal difference ahead of Leeds and Southampton. And then Watford are only three points behind them. And the only reason Watford are three points behind them is because Watford have also lost their last three games. And all of a sudden, it's a very slippery slope when you find yourself dragged back into the relegation mix. Because Burnley have 10 points, but they have a game in hand. Now, it is against Spurs, so it'll be tough. But you also will expect Burnley to start churning away and picking up points here and there. And they're doing their Burnley things. So, Palace is just one to keep an eye on. Not panic stations yet, by any means. They are missing... Anderson massively at centre-back. He had been outstanding for them. And James Tompkins has come in and looks like a fella who hadn't played a lot of football in a while. Now, they're hopeful of having um, MacArthur and Joachim Anderson, James MacArthur and Joachim Anderson back for the weekend. It would be huge to get them both back. James MacArthur has also been a big loss for them in midfield because... While Gallagher gives them that box-to-box explosiveness and the, the pressing ability and the running ability, MacArthur's the one that gives them a little bit of control. He's the one that can put his foot on the ball and dictate things a little bit, slow the game when it needs to be slowed, speed it up when it needs to be sped up. Him, Coyate and Gallagher has worked really well. But again, Coyate is another box-to-box type player. He's a high-energy player. He doesn't have that kind of controlling ability. MacArthur's the one who gives them that. So if they get both of those back, I think Joel Ward is back as well. He missed out with suspension uh, last time out. So, I mean, him and Klein is is a toss-up. They're both, neither of them are great. You'd ideally want to upgrade that right-back position. Um, but just keep an eye on Palace. Just keep an eye on Palace and see how they do over the next three games. And we'll, we'll, we'll cycle back to them and um, and check in. The other teams to keep an eye on, but from a positive point of view, Aston Villa, three wins from four under Gerrard. They play Liverpool this weekend, and obviously that's a a big one for them. Then they get Norwich away, which will be tough because it's Dean Smith. Then Burnley at home, which, you know, it's Burnley. They're going to make it difficult for you. And then Crystal Palace. Sorry, no, then, um, then they get Chelsea at home. So... How much of the last four games has been that new manager bounce? How much of it is Gerrard actually getting this team turned around? That's what we'll be able to judge over the next couple of games. Liverpool's a massive, massive test for them. I wouldn't expect them to get much there. I think the two games after that tell us a lot more. 
Norwich away, Burnley at home. We'll know a lot about Gerrard by the time we get to Christmas. Uh, how quickly he's been able to implement the measures that saw him have success at Rangers. Obviously, you'll be keeping an eye on Manchester United. They're in a little bit of a mini run of good form. Only one game under Ranić. We'll see how that progresses. The team that I'm very interested in at the minute is Norwich because they are back to the bottom of the table. But they had that nice little bounce. They won the last game under Farkett, got the first win under Smith, and then drew two in a row. Lost last time out to Tottenham. You didn't expect them to beat Tottenham. Now they go Manchester United at home, Villa at home, West Ham away, Arsenal at home, and then Crystal Palace away. That finishes out the year for them. That's a very tough run. A really tough run. And if they were to lose all five, and I don't think they will, I think they'll get at least one or two results here. But if they were to lose all five, I think we would have to say goodbye to them as a Premier League team. I don't think you could get 10 points through the first half of a Premier League season. And in fact, it'll be the first 20 games of the season and expect to stay up. Now, Dean Smith has pulled off a near miracle before at Villa. But for me, this is an even bigger test. This will be much tougher. They're right in that mix with Newcastle to try and be the worst team in the league. But I think Villa, I think Norwich rather, I think you've got a better group of players than Newcastle. I'd like to see Dean Smith not be as loyal as Farker was, or indeed as loyal as Smith was, to certain players at Norwich. I'd like to see him be a little bit more ruthless with players who let him down and give opportunities to certain others. But they're just a team to keep an eye on as well, because we may well be able to write them off. And Newcastle too, to be fair. Of the bottom three, the only one I, I expect to make a step out of that is Burnley. I, I don't think I have much faith in Newcastle. The, defensively, they're just so poor, as are Norwich. The two of them are, are really poor defensively. But Newcastle, I, I just wonder if the rot is far too deep at that club. If maybe the stench of Ashley remains for a while. But they're just two teams I wanted to highlight today. Palace in particular. Because I just want to see how Palace do over the next couple of games. And Norwich, it's just, it is largely because, you know, if it gets to the point where we aren't talking about them staying up, we're just not going to talk about them anymore. Um, some Premier League news then. Tottenham have returned 13 po- positive COVID-19 tests, including eight players. And they have requested that their Premier League meeting with Brighton this weekend be postponed and rescheduled. Now, they're going, as as things stand, they're going to play their Conference League game against Rennes in the week, uh, Thursday. But my assumption there is they'll just send out whatever they have available and they won't care. I don't think Conte will care a whole lot about the Conference League. In fact, I think he'd be happy to be rid of it because I think not having European football will aid him in his goal to get top four this season. So wouldn't be surprised to see them send out a team that has no real chance of winning and uh, and get dumped out of that competition, which would be a little bit embarrassing. In fact, it would be very embarrassing. But at the same time, 
the bigger picture here is that top four this season is worth far more to them than winning this competition. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens with that Brighton game. It looks like it will have to be postponed. We saw a lot of games postponed around Christmas of last season. Remember when Villa had an outbreak? And was it was it Tottenham? One other club had an outbreak as well. Um, and games got postponed and rescheduled. So I assume that's what will happen there. Uh, Kurt Zuma has added to West Ham's injury woes. He is set to be sidelined for a while after suffering a hamstring injury in the 3-2 win over Chelsea. So the good news is it's not a knee injury, which they were concerned about at the time. It is a hamstring problem. They've set no time frame on his recovery. Ogbonna obviously had been injured in November, and he'll miss the rest of the season. They also have an injury to Ben Johnson, who's been having quite a good season for them. He's got a a low-grade hamstring tear, but is expected to return sooner than Zuma. So it is getting down to bare bones for the Hammers. Uh, As things stand, they have five players out. Cresswell, but they're hoping to have him back. Ben Johnson, Zuma, Ryan Fredericks, and Ogbonna. All five of them are defenders. And this was a team that didn't really have great defensive depth anyway. So Sufal will be the starting right back in every game for, for the foreseeable. Um, no rest for him. Masuaka is going to have to play left back, you'd imagine. And Diop and Dawson in the middle. Um, and they can't afford for anyone else to get hurt. Now, Cresswell should be back, if not for the Europa League game this week, for the weekend for certain. Uh, but still, I mean, if your only backup defender is a left-back who's not really a left-back in, in Masawaka, you're in a bit of trouble. You know, you've got three right-backs at the club. Two of them are out for a while. You've got four centre-backs. Two of them are out for a while. If anything happens to Diop or Dawson, they're in bother. Declan Rice might have to move back into defence. And they do have Alex Kral to step in in midfield, but that then means they have no depth in midfield because Kral and Suchek will be starting and the only other one they can call on is really Mark Noble, unless they want to play Pablo Fornals there. He's done it before. It's not great, but that could derail their season. And they've just gotten themselves back on track with the big win over Chelsea. They'll want to maintain their push for top four. A um, couple of articles I wanted to draw people's attention to on the BBC website. One is by Alex Bysouth. It's entitled Red Bull Salzburg Unearthing and Nurturing the Game's Next Big Stars. Really, really good piece. Really good piece. Highly recommend reading that one. And then Raj Chonan, Dr. Raj, he has got a piece up on the BBC as well. Jamal Musiala, winger, deep midfielder and Muller successor. A profile of the exceptionally talented Jamal Musiala. I do wonder how much Chelsea regret allowing him to slip through their grasp. Probably not much because it's Chelsea and they don't really care. But still, he is a sensational talent who could have saved them an awful lot of money in the long run. Uh, We'll wrap up with the gossip, folks, and we'll be done nice and early today because, like I said, there's just not a whole lot. There's the Champions League last night, the Champions League tonight. There's not much going on in the Premier League this week. No managers appear to be under drastic pressure 
I think Arteta will be will come under pressure soon. It wouldn't surprise me if we start to hear some rumblings about Brendan Rodgers and some discontent with him behind the scenes, given they spent a lot of money in the summer, kept the entire team together at his request. They're running massively outside their means. Their wage bill is 120% of their turnover. They, they spent big money and brought nothing in in the summer. So I think, you know, 11th place, six defeats already, negative goal differential, still can't sort his defence out, fourth worst defence in the league, which when you see the players he has at his disposal, it's unacceptable. It wouldn't surprise me if he started to hear little rumblings. I don't think they'll fire him anytime soon, but I they remember they moved on from Claudio Ranieri what, in like the February after he'd won the title? Brendan only won the FA Cup. Rafa, I think, is on the hot seat, but the recent move to remove Marcel Brands from the club probably gives Rafa a little bit of breeding room. And outside of that, other than the fact that every Watford manager is always only a week away from the sack, I think everybody else is pretty much fine. From a managerial hot seat point of view, Arteta, Rogers, and Rafa are the three I would say are most likely to come under heavy scrutiny and heavy pressure in the coming weeks. Uh, let's finish up then with that old gossip. So Liverpool are leading the race to sign Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund next summer. Now I've said before, and I still maintain, I don't think Jude Bellingham leaves Dortmund next summer. I don't think they'll sell two big stars in one summer. So I think Haaland goes in 2022 and Bellingham hangs around until 2023. That would be my expectation of, of what they do. Manchester United and Liverpool face competition from Atletico Madrid for American star uh, striker Ricardo Pepe. So he's an 18-year-old. I think he plays for FC Dallas. It's kind of burst onto the scene this season, uh, he's got 13 goals in 31 games in the, the last MLS season, which is a really impressive return for such a young kid. Uh, he's already been capped six times by the uh, U.S. men's national team and scored three goals. Now, admittedly, two against Jamaica, one against Honduras is not the highest level of caliber of competition, but he is 18. Uh, there's a lot of hype around him and a lot of people suggesting that he may well be the the number nine that the Americans have been looking for for a long time, a natural-born goal scorer. So one to keep an eye on. He's definitely coming to Europe. That We, we know that. It remains to be seen where, but certainly one that might be an exciting prospect. Uh, Real Madrid are favourites to sign Antonio Rudiger, who is getting closer to leaving Chelsea as a free agent at the end of the season. Premier League rivals Manchester United and Tottenham have also expressed interest. Now, he makes no sense for Manchester United. He does make sense for Chelsea, or for Tottenham, rather. He makes sense for Tottenham purely because they play a back three. Because Antonio Rudiger is a good defender, a, a good defender, not a great defender, a good defender in a back three. He is a very mediocre defender. In a two-man centre-back pairing. 
which is why I look at the links of him to Real Madrid and I think that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Him and Alaba? No. No, no, no. Uh, Militao is a substantially better centre-back in a back two than Antonio Rudiger. That would be a silly, silly move by Real Madrid, especially considering the wages he allegedly wants. He suits a back three, like all the Chelsea defenders, because it covers for his flaws. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp says Mohamed Salah's situation is completely normal as the club seeks to finalise new contract terms with the 29-year-old Egyptian Ford. Just get that deal done. It's as simple as that. Get that deal done ASAP. Give him whatever he wants. If he wants 400 grand a week, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. It's about 20 million a year. For four years, it's 80 million. Give it to him. Absolutely give it to him. He'll be 35 when it expires. And I, I would bet he's still scoring 20 a season to that point. Liverpool have made about 55 to 60 million pounds in the Champions League already this season, just by qualifying for the next round, winning all their group games, getting their co- uh, coefficient bonus. And um, that money can just go towards the Salah contract. It's as simple as that. Liverpool are interested in Juventus and Argentina forward Paolo Dybala, whose contract expires at the end of this season. If he was a couple of years younger, I could see it. But I, I struggle to see them signing a fellow who's 28, who'll want ridiculous wages. He's immensely gifted. He's a wonderful player. Uh, he was a much better player before he had to play with Cristiano Ronaldo. And that completely torpedoed what he was doing at Juve, uh, developing into the best player in Serie A. He's had a, a decent run this season in a bad Juventus team, but he hasn't looked the same since he got lumbered with doing Cristiano's donkey work. Barcelona have contacted Chelsea over possible deals for Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner, but Thomas Tuchel is reluctant to let either leave Barca have no money, so they're looking for loans and they're looking for free loans. <laughs> this is even better. Barcelona hope a compromise can be reached with Manchester City to allow them to sign Ferran Torres for thirty-eight million. City want fifty-one million. Well, actually, City want sixty-one million. They want seventy million euro. They are not going to take that kind of a haircut on Ferran Torres just because they've got connections to Barca via their front office and their manager. Barca don't even have 38 million. So that will be maybe maybe 3 million down and 35 million paid over about 15 years. Uh, Fenerbahce have denied that the club's 23-year-old Hungarian centre-back Attila Zlaha is close to joining Chelsea. Uh, this came, I think, was it the Hungarian national team manager? was quoted as saying that a deal was done. That's not actually what he said. What he said was, media reports say that this deal is done. But obviously it got picked up, badly translated, and uh, people ran away with themselves. Ajax are considering a move for Manchester United's English goalkeeper, Dean Henderson, on loan in January. That would be a great move for him. A really good move for them. They'd get a very good goalkeeper. 
because it looks like they may well sell Onana in January. But it would be a great move for him. It would be an opportunity for him to go and learn how to play out from the back, to work under Eric Ten Hag. It would be the best manager he's ever worked under in his career. Uh, if I was Dean Henderson, I would be forcing my way out of United because he should be England's number one. And he's not even getting a game at United. They brought him back and told him he was going to be number one, and that's just all been thrown away. Ajax are interested in signing Stephen Bergwijn. This is a rumour that keeps going round. They've had interest in him for years. They tried to sign him when he was at PSV, but PSV wouldn't allow the move to happen. Lille's 24-year-old Portugal midfielder Renato Sanchez is open to move to Arsenal, but the Gunners face competition from AC Milan. He should avoid going to Arsenal, and Arsenal should avoid buying him. They should avoid buying him because he's too similar to Thomas Partey and how he plays, and he's also very injury-prone. And he should avoid going there because he'd have to work under a PE teacher with a Lego haircut. Uh, Mikel Arteta will target a Ford in the January transfer window. I'd be surprised if they gave him much more money to spend. He's already spent a ridiculous amount of money. I wouldn't give him any more. Uh, Nicolas Pepe is frustrated with his lack of playing time at Arsenal and will assess his options in January. So this is from Chris Wheatley, so you can take that one to the bank. That is absolutely fact. Atletico Madrid's 22-year-old Portugal forward, João Felix, could leave the La Liga club. So there are a lot of talk. A lot of, a lot, there are a lot of talk. There are a lot of rumours, or there is a lot of talk, that he wants to go, that he just hasn't settled. He doesn't like playing for Simeone. He doesn't feel like he's ever going to be a first-choice starter for that club. So I, I think it is time for him to move on. He is sensationally gifted. But he's being wasted at Atletico. It was always a weird signing. He's the most un-Simeone player going. But if he gets to the right club, he will be a top five player in world football, in my view. I think he's just so gifted. If Bayern had the money, now I know they have Musiala, but if Bayern had the money, him as a replacement for Thomas Muller, like a successor to Muller, would be very, very interesting. Uh, West Ham are considering a loan bid for Nathan Aki. City aren't going to loan Nathan Aki in January. They don't have any cover beyond him. They've got Diaz and Laporte. That's the starters. And then they've got Stones and Aki. They don't have anyone else. Uh, Brighton want to sign Kyle Laren from Besiktas. Very talented player. Canadian international. Um, was at Orlando FC. Forced his way out of there. Got himself to Besiktas has had a bit of a hit-and-miss time in Europe. Poor first two seasons. Uh, got loaned out for a year to Zulte Waregem in Belgium. Had a great year last year. 23 goals in 45 games. This season, not as prolific. 5 in 17. But Kyle Lahren's a good player. And he could be a very affordable option for Brighton. And he's a better finisher than anyone they currently have. Uh, West Ham face being without Kurt Zuma for 12 weeks. That's the injury we talked about earlier. So that's basically three months. That's late February he'd be coming back? They can't last till then without him. Leeds midfielder Calvin Phillips has a hamstring injury and the England international could be out for two months. Oh, oh that is massive for Leeds. Leeds, who obviously not having a particularly good season anyway, 
cannot afford to be without one of their two best players for two months. I mean, they, like Palace, 16 points, only three points ahead of Watford, only six points ahead of the relegation zone. They can't afford to be without Calvin Phillips for that long. Bamford obviously picked up a niggle at the weekend as well. He could be out for a little bit longer. Liam Cooper's out uh, for a little while. He could be back quickly. You, you never know. But Robin Cock is out. Pascal Struyck has uh, an, an injury to his hip. They're hopeful he'll be back at the weekend. But he'd be the one most likely to step in for Phillips. That's a big, big blow. If he's out for any length of time, they're in trouble. They are in trouble. Italy boss and former Manchester City manager Roberto Mancini who has been linked with taking over at Manchester United, had, has denied reports of a move back to the Premier League. I, If Mancini is smart, and I think he is, why would he leave the Italian national team job? Let's be honest about this. It's a part-time job that he gets paid a phenomenal amount of money to do. He has a great team that he has built. He's had great success there. 46 games, 30 wins, 13 draws, only three defeats, 102 goals scored, 23 conceded. This is a great Italian national team. They'll go to the World Cup as one of the favourites to win the competition. Why would he walk away from that? It would make no sense at all. He should stay in that job as long as they'll keep him. It's a part-time job. You're getting paid full-time money. You get to live the lifestyle you want to live. And he looks like a man who enjoys life. He enjoys a scarf. So stay where you are, Mr. Mancini. Do not go to that catastrophic mess at Manchester United. Former Manchester United keeper Edwin van der Sar, who's currently the IX CEO, believes that one day the moment will arrive for him to take up a role at Old Trafford. Is that really what he said? I don't know that that's actually what he said. He said, and I quote, I am enjoying myself so much at Ajax. I still have two years left here. I want to keep achieving things here with the club. But I'm sure that one day the moment will arrive. I don't think he was talking about Manchester United. I think he was talking about leaving Ajax. I think this is clickbait by Metro taking an interview he did with RTL and trying to make it out to be something it, it really isn't. And that, I think, is it, folks. Yeah, that is us for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you have yourself a pleasant day. If you're in an area affected by the storm, do do stay in. Stay safe. Don't take risks. As a very famous Irish woman said, don't make unnecessary journeys. Don't take risks on dangerous roads. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.